Love it. Okay. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to Fan Expo. I guess we can call this. This is we're we're kind of off to the side here at Fan Expo. And that's why you guys are going to be hearing that background. If you've listened to Good Morning Camera before, we're pretty polished at and we're, we're always top top notch in terms of the audio quality. But today, you know, we're here at Fan Expo. So this is what you're hearing in the background. What you get is what you get. We're in a little living room right now and we have a plant off to the side here. And on the couch across from me is Julie Noki and Samuel Larson, right? So so excited to have you guys. I Thank met, you. Like I said, I met, I met Julie last year, binged so much of your content, and you guys are just a little power duo. Yeah. Creating content yeah. Uh, for the YouTube channel, and you're up with BufferFest this year. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to be here. This will be our third BufferFest. Mm -hmm. um, and Sam and I have been creating content for, together for 10 years. It's been a long time, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. And we're premiering something tonight that we're very excited about and just happy to be here with other creators. Exactly. And what I love about, about BufferFest is, I think we talked about this last year too, um, there are so many creators out there with millions of followers, subscribers, everything, and you would you might not even know who they are, right? Oh, you, so unassuming. So, yeah. <laughs> so no idea. So the, the first question to kind of kick things off here, and Julie, I'll direct this right at you because then we can play along with Samuel here. So Julie, who is Julie on YouTube? And then who is Julie? Oh, wow. I mean, I gotta be honest, I think they're one in the same. I think a lot of different YouTube creators originally started using YouTube as a way to communicate their internal dialogue or their feelings or catharsis mm -hmm. in their life. And that was totally what it is for me. I mean, um, I have a very popular video on video online called explain the pandemic to my past self. And, uh, when we made that video, Sam and I, uh, that was very much our dialogue within our house of how are we getting through this? You just have to laugh. We have to give ourselves permission to laugh. And that's where this video came from. And then we made it. So, um, long story long to answer your question um it, i think it's the same i i would hope that my viewers that have fallen in love with my videos know that they're actually knowing the real julie i am i am that way yeah very nice i'm gonna uh, we have to modify the question because you're more on yeah. the director side yeah, samuel. yeah so samuel the director and samuel at home who who is samuel the director who is Samuel? <laughs> maybe That's a good question. Some people, you know how they get like people get in their element and they're like all of a sudden honed in and and sometimes different, you know. So that's what I'm curious about. I wonder. That's a great question. I wonder. It's almost probably easier for Julie to answer that question than for me if I if I, <laughs> I behave differently at all. You say who you nor who you are at home, and then you say who he is <laughs> yeah, as a yeah. director. That's a good. That's I a good one. I think I for in terms of our YouTube channel, I think it's sort of the same person. I think mm -hmm. it is, like Julie said, so much part of our lives. A lot of videos are bits that we yeah. have with each other. Yeah. And that kernel of an idea, Julie then, as like a really talented writer, goes and cr makes an actual video out of that. So yeah. that's kind of the same. I think I'm probably a little di bit different when I direct other things that aren't with Julie and aren't like in the s safety and comfort of our home. Yeah, you know? or genre-based, for sure, like when you work on dramas or documentaries. But, you know, we're, we're blessed enough to work on comedy. 
And so our whole job is making each other laugh and making our audiences laugh. And so Samuel at home, I would say, is just like a bit generator. <laughs> like our whole, our, our whole dynamic together is just coming up with bits and coming up with jokes. And sometimes they turn into videos and sometimes they're just like funny, fun yeah, laughs that we share them. together. Yeah. Um, and that very much is the same way that we film videos. There's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of like punch up jokes that you'll offer. Um, to try and make a video a little bit funnier, but yeah, that's that's the main goal is just to laugh. Yeah, yeah. The only character I put on is when like everybody's breaking and we can't get through a scene, and then I just pretend to be grumpy so that people <laughs> will stop laughing. Do you pretend? Yeah, I do. <laughs> do you? It's an act. That's what I was curious about. Uh, two two kind of points on that. When when do you guys turn off? Like, is there? Do you know, or is it just constantly like bits, 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 and then? Like, is there a point where you go, oh, my gosh, we like it's now time to be adults? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's always bits. Am I bits? Yeah. Bits on bits on bits, bits. <laughs> on bits on bits. I think I think the biggest trouble for turning off is more to do with like actual work, because, of course, we're creators. We work from home and uh, to turn off that like constant gnawing, you know, uh, uh, desire to, to make content and to, and to push yourself further and to keep, you know, the business running, I find, I think I have the harder time turning off with that. Yeah. And it's easier for my job is easier because I just come up with bits and I go, this is a good <laughs> bit. And then yeah. Julie actually has to write it and do the business part of it and like make a sketch, which is different than just a bit, you know? Yeah. It takes more work. And talk to, talk to us a little bit about the dynamic because you mentioned this last year, Julie, you're very much in front of the camera, mm-hmm. Samuel. You're the you're the tech guy, yeah. You're, and, yep. and and director, and you're the you're the cinematographer. You you mentioned Julie, all about audio. Like you, that, that's <laughs> yeah. your genre, right? So, how does that how does that play together? Um, I say I guess for the sketches we kind of co-direct them, because uh, Julie has like a big creative, like all most of the creative input, and then I'll like make suggestions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very collaborative in terms of directing. But yeah, just, you know, on paper, I, I'll do the writing of the sketch. Um, when it comes to shooting it, I'll leave it to Sam to pick the shots, to decide if we need the wide shot, the two shot, the close, if we need an insert. Um, and I mean, I, I honestly genuinely don't know how you do it because he's pulling focus, we'll have a moving camera or he'll, it'll be handheld or whatever it is. He's picking all these shots and he's monitoring audio. And sometimes reading the other character's lines. <laughs> and sometimes, that is true, yeah. And sometimes I have him reading the other character's lines because I'm acting with myself. It really is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I've done I've done similar things with myself. Uh, like, I had this really funny video uh, and it was like my dad teaching me how to drive and uh, then it cuts to like the scene from Fast and Furious where they're like speeding through, drifting through that giant, like parkade. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Tokyo drift. Exactly. Tokyo drift. Yeah, Tokyo drift. So yeah, that is tough. And it, you're sometimes you're like, okay, what did I what did I say to myself? And then yeah. how do I react to that? You know. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious about the process a little bit because one of the things that I really like about filmmaking is like how accurate it could be before you even start shooting and like the visualization part of filmmaking not many people think about this is is very mental right you're visualizing something and then you're maybe even storyboarding it some people do the storyboard thing some people don't but 
then it comes out and it and it's almost exactly like what you visualized, right? Do you guys do that or are how how spontaneous is it with you guys? Yeah, we kind of have to um, for a multitude of reasons. One, for efficiency's sake, because the grind of making uh, weekly videos means that you have to be really, really streamlined. Um, I also find that because I'm acting with myself, like the scripts have to be perfectly memorized because just yeah, as you said, yeah. like you can't come up with one reaction that doesn't fit in the edit with, you know, the lines that you delivered. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we're, I would say we're, we're pretty well planned out. Yeah. And simplicity is key. Like there's restrictions going into the, like, you know, when you're writing it, what our restrictions are for what we can and can't do. And sometimes we leave those restrictions. Like usually it's like a conversation with two people and that's what we can get done on a weekly basis. And sometimes yeah. we go outside of that if it's worth the extra effort. But it's definitely a conscious choice. We do every now and then we'll do a video. I would call it our like mockumentary series where I'll have a concept and we know that there's going to be a good portion of B-roll, but we don't know what the what the lines will the be. Spinal tap sort of thing. Yeah, yeah the spinal tapper or, or um, best in show. We kind of yeah. we go for that. But that's a conscious choice that, hey, this is about to be improv. Uh, we're going to give ourselves a little bit longer to shoot it and just hope something. But we don't do it all the time because there are too many unknowns. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned during the chat that we just listened to not not too long ago here at uh, Fan Expo that you, you have an editor. You're fortunate enough to have an editor. Um, how did hiring an editor come about? When did you decide that we should hire an editor? And, and what was that process like? Well, I was very stubborn on getting an editor um, for a long, much longer than I should have been. Um, I mean, it's hard because as a, as a comedy writer, as any writer or creator, um, so much of the comedy comes out in the edit. And so I was very, very uh, glued to being the editor. I was the only one, or I thought I was the only one who could do it. Um, and Alec McKay, who is uh, our editor, and he's phenomenal, um, he had reached out a couple times and said he wanted more comedy on his reel. And I was like, oh, well, what, we'll see, you know. And then he'd reach out again, and he was very persistent. And God, I'm so thankful. Because I look back now and I think, how obtuse was I to think that I was the only one who a could edit my content? A lot of creators struggle with that, too. Like, they need to they feel like they need to be in everything, right? Yeah. And sometimes it is way more efficient to just let somebody else take and that. And some people are better than you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, we did the first couple videos and yeah, there were, you know, some bumps along the way of him just getting my style. But now it's like he comes up with stuff and I go, I would never have put that right, together. Yeah. Totally. You know? Totally. Uh, you, you you guys kind of mentioned that uh, some of you mentioned on the chat here that there was uh, Mike Myers and Austin Powers was uh, a big inspiration yeah. for you. But what about you, Samuel? Like, where do you pull like inspiration? I'm talking like, do you look up to like the directors and who do you look at and go, wow, I, I wish I was like that? Yeah, great question. I. Um I don't know if I have like a comedy, I don't know if I, that's my like idolization, like starstruck sort of people that I like, I do look for inspiration from different comedy, you know, movies and things like that to, and other YouTubers too, to like get a sense of how to like shoot comedy a little bit better and how to be more efficient on the channel and stuff like that. But I think for me, yeah, directors like PTA and, you know, Scorsese and, you know, just sort of all those guys. 
are sort of my, you know, the people I idolize, I guess. That's who I'd be starstruck if I was in a room with, you know, I could list off a bunch more, I guess, but yeah. For sure. So what is the goal right now? What's, where are we going in the future? Um, we've got a few things on the go that's very exciting, separately and together. Um, we are starting a brand new channel. It's been a dream of mine for a very long time to create a, a, a production company or a channel or a show similar to SNL, not not in format, but in the way that um, I want young actors in Canada, Canada to to look forward to auditioning to it. I want it to be a thing that's held on this pedestal that we are we are proud as Canadians to have. And as an actor in the industry, I find that so many of my peers feel like they have to go down to LA to make it, to have any sort of legitimacy. And I want to be part of changing that. And so I'm not saying that this channel will do that, but I'm saying that's that's been a, a driver of mine for a very long time. So I'm starting a new channel. It's called Pulp Comedy. Um, it's a sketch comedy troupe slash panel show where you get to meet this cast, but also you get to see these hilarious sketches that we've collaborated on and created together. Um, and that launches September 16th of this year. Um, so that's something we're very excited about. Sam and I have been working on that since, I want to say March of this year kind of been yep. a longer longer project mm. um and then the only other thing i have going on for me is i'm um developing a show right now with bruce mccullough and he's one of the kids in the hall and uh yeah we're we're hoping to pitch it around and get it made we've been working on it for the last two years now so it's very funny we have a whole first season broken and and hopefully a network wants to buy it yeah that's really interesting. I like how you uh, were you were talking about this last year as well. You were you were saying how there's a big difference between YouTube and then what like the productions that you would see on YouTube uh, on TV. Sorry, what what do you guys prefer? Is it is it the YouTube stuff? Like you mentioned, how you're you're quick. You're like in the morning. I got I write for two hours and then that's it. Right? Like I'm yeah. recording already. Yeah. The idea. What's better? I was going to say there's pros and cons to both. And I think the one, like, I don't know, you always, maybe you can say it better, but, like, the one big pro about YouTube is that you can have an idea and make it quickly. That day. That day. Mm -hmm. I think the con of that is that it kind of, you're never quite able to, like, dedicate your full heart and soul into something and, like, go over every detail and, you know, um, just, and, and be perfect. I guess, or in yeah. the way that you want to be. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the pro of doing longer form content is that yeah. you can really dedicate yourself to it, but then it takes forever. Yeah. There's also limitations to YouTube. I mean, obviously time is one of them, but budget is definitely one of them. I mean, collaboration is something that uh, I don't get to do a lot. Um, whereas when I'm in film and TV or in writer's rooms, I mean... You're, you're dealing with an entire room full of talented, talented writers who are thinking of things that are so, so funny. And it is a joy to be a part of that creation process, and that's something I miss. But then again, like Sam alluded to, there's this incredible timeline that is so long to get anything made in film and TV. Um, it's, it's so many people. It's such a huge pre-production process. Um, yeah, and then and then at the end of the day, you kind of hope it's good. Whereas with YouTube, it's like pretty low risk, you know. You can kind of just throw darts yeah, you, at a board. And, you can and put bad stuff on YouTube and still be okay. <laughs> whereas you can't throw your heart and soul into a you know CBC or Crave show. If your budget's you know yeah. a couple hundred thousand dollars, it's got to be, it's got to hit. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So we have a lot of people who tune into the show that are just trying to start, right? And I always find I, I definitely can understand why people struggle with starting. But how do you guys just get the ball ro- rolling on like your day, I guess we could say, um, even not even like a major project? How do we get the ball rolling on just the day? Oh, man. Unfortunately for me, it starts with a lot of anxiety <laughs> at this point. A good cry. Uh, a good just, cry. Just a good cry. <laughs> um, you know, I think this is going to sound so stupid and cheesy, but I, the reason that Sam and I got started creating together is that we were not working artists. And we needed to scratch the itch of creation and making something. And I do think that that's what still drives us. And so while I think a lot of creators or or, um, potential creators feel intimidated about making something, you have to remember that it's not about the numbers. It just can't be about the numbers. I mean, you're not gonna have any longevity in this career if you're worried about getting famous or paying your bills. It really has to stem from the love of making what you're making and I think Again, as cheesy as it sounds, I do think that every day we wake up and we love what we do. We love making each other laugh. We love making our audience members laugh. And when that's the core of what we do, it's kind of, it's pretty easy. Mm. Yeah. And I think one thing we learned doing through doing YouTube and stuff is that a lot of times done is better than good. Like yeah. just yeah. getting something like not trying to be a perfectionist right off the bat, which sounds counterintuitive, but like uh, a, a, a finished piece is always better than a piece that doesn't exist that yeah. you want it to be more perfect i guess so yeah i totally agree well i had to write down uh, that little thought there uh because i wanted to come back to it you kind of answered this julie already there in that in there but i'm curious what was your why when you started like your youtube journey because you've been on youtube for how many you said nine yeah nine yeah, years must be yeah yeah so and you you really didn't blow up until year seven so (laughs) so what was your why at the beginning and what's your what is your why now well yeah it it has changed at the beginning it was sam and i we weren't working and i was feeling really really heartbroken by the acting industry because i had been trying to make it for a couple years i'd been trying auditions and i just wasn't getting any traction and, and I was trying to do acting classes and I was running out of money for mm-hmm. classes. I just wanted to be able to practice. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, what was the first impetus towards uh, starting a YouTube channel, which was you get behind the camera, you practice, I get in front of the camera, I practice. Um, and that way we're just ready for when, you know, a job actually comes and we're not stale. Uh, right? Am I right in saying No, yeah, that? yeah. That's um, how I remember it. But it's it's evolved over time because originally it was practice and then we kind of got pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, wow, maybe this can be a portfolio for future jobs. Um, And then now, of course, it's kind of its own career. And we're not we're not looking for stuff off of YouTube. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not waiting for the phone to ring, so to speak. Um, Yeah. Did I answer that? Yeah, that was perfect. Okay. Okay. Okay, So going back to our our. Just our beginner, kind of just getting started, kind of audience member. What would you say is like a good piece of advice for those who are just trying to break, break into this kind of industry, get started doing something in this kind of creative field? Where where did you guys begin, and maybe where have you learned that you maybe should have began? 
is there a pl is there a place now that you are not aware you are more aware of mm. and you would direct people to I mean so I originally started out with a cooking show mm. uh, and once again just going back it's because I was heartbroken by the acting industry so I wasn't prepared to act but I wanted to be in front of the camera um, I don't I mean I don't regret that I think that was a really really important part of my process but looking back now I almost wish that I had just done comedy, that I had just done the thing that I wanted to do, you know? Um, yeah, I think with, with this poll, because in a way I am starting from scratch a little bit with this new channel, and one of the things that I've really tried to do is like hone in on what the mission of the channel is and, and what the videos are gonna look like and what the branding is, and I know that sounds very businessy, but I do mm. think that that's pretty important to starting. Very. Um, is just giving yourself a game plan so that you're not filming a video, posting it, and kind of, it's just like dying in the ether. You can kind of have a bit of a, a game plan to follow to, to, to build up a bit it's of a portfolio. Kind of like the anchor, right? What, what yeah. anchors it down? I remember when I first started my like photo video business, I created the logo before anything else and the right. catchphrase. Yeah. So that way, if it didn't align with the catchphrase, no go right that's Does that perfect make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and i mean anybody i think a business would say you need like a brand mm -hmm. a cohesive brand before starting um yeah yeah it's easy on youtube to like be all over the place Very. i think is yeah is that like your questions in reference to youtube or people starting online or i don't know if that is anything but so, like yeah it could definitely be if you're starting a channel it's like the question what is this is really important because it's easy to be like this trend is hot right now or yeah. whatever Mm -hmm. And you want to have something that you're dedicated to because if you're going to be consistently putting it out and doing weeks on weeks on weeks on videos, and some people even do like three videos a week, yeah. you're going to want to have something that you like doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to give advice on like uh, camera gear and lighting and sound. And while I think that's all very important, the more people I talk to who are interested in starting, their, their biggest hurdle seems to be... Um, that, that they just don't start. And so instead of saying, well, you need to buy all this gear and have all this thing, I, I, I really just encourage people to use their phones. Yeah, best camera is the one you have, yeah. Always. Yeah, the Casey Neistat video. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, his. that's not my line, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bike lanes video from Casey Neistat, that was filmed on like a, oh my goodness, like a tiny little point and shoot. Yeah. It really, it, and yeah. that has millions of views. And it, and it the, the video still holds up. So. And your first videos aren't going to be your best videos. Never. And, 100%. Like, the, when the time comes to upgrade with your kid or your, you know, have an assistant or any of those things that people, you know, I've talked to people and they think those are their roadblocks. It's like you actually, if you get started, you'll know when that's your bottleneck and that's your roadblock. And mm -hmm. But it, it won't be right it, away. It, but it's not right away. Yeah. You have to actually get started first and have, have something going before you can have a roadblock to mm -hmm. that thing. Yeah. I, we kind of just talked, we mentioned gear here, so I think this is the part of the show where we get into <laughs> the gear as much as it doesn't matter when you first get it started. But I'm, I always like talking to people about retro gear, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what was the camera that you guys actually started on? T2i, nifty 50. T2i. Canon T2i. Uh, yeah, I think rebel. we still have a few of those kicking around. Yeah, oh, old faithful. <laughs> yeah, with the nifty 50, the uh, like $80 or $50, yeah. uh, 50 million lens. Plastic lens, lens. Yeah. 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 
Uh, we started on that, and then we would um, we didn't like the sa- ca- in camera sound. I remember. So then we would rent yeah, a lab for, yeah, from Long and McQuaid. But there was no monitoring, so we'd like do a scene, and the lab would have run out of batteries, or I hadn't turned oh, it on, yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what did we? Up- oh, and then we got like I got a T five I. T5i yeah. that had the articulating screen that was big a big deal. you jumped a, a few deal. versions there oh we yeah. did we held the T2i for too long it's kind of uh, like smartphones yeah, you gotta exactly. wait until it's 100 really you stay a couple you stay yeah. a couple behind that's yeah, a, that's always. my game plan yeah. too yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. so funny and then we had to then we had a job we like we had a contract and that was time and we had to be 4K and then but we were getting paid for that so that's when we upgraded to uh, A7s. Sony. Mark II. Mark II. Mm. Yeah. Are you yeah. guys shooting everything in 4K right now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah? yeah. Okay. We. I keep telling people that, you know, they talk about 4K like it's the absolute necessity. Yeah. But they don't know that you could also shoot in 1080p, much less space on your hard drives, and then export out of Premiere Pro in 4K, and YouTube will give you the 4K badge. Yeah. Do I, that. I do that all I the time. I did not know that. That's a I great idea. all the time. <laughs> I make I mean, so much content that is just like... It's long form stuff for Henry's. Yeah. And it's, oh my gosh. That's no. really smart. So <laughs> yeah. many hard drives. So many hard drives. I have so many <laughs> at this point. That's brilliant. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. So what's on the, what's on the hit list right now? What pieces of gear are you guys after? And what are, what are, what's <laughs> one piece of, one piece of gear that if it broke today, you would go out and absolutely buy again. This is so timely. <laughs> Our dog pulled my tripod over. And, like uh, last week. Uh, last week, yeah. We yeah. have a we have a Sony. So a sandbag is on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have a, to close the door to the room where the gear is. is we the, have a Sony FX3. Oh, amazing. And we had a Sigma 24 to 70 on there. Yeah. So that's going in for repairs. Too funny. Oh. And the uh, top handle. I need totally, a new top handle. Totally broke off. I just had Zach Ramelan on the podcast this morning, and he exact same setup. Oh really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it looks too funny. so good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And then, like, the one thing I prioritize in gear, if you want to get into that stuff, mm-hmm. is yeah. especially for like weekly content and YouTube videos, is uh, being nimble and being able to move quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, at the time when we needed to wanted to upgrade, uh, I was like looking at all these different cameras and like, do I go bigger and get like you know, some sort of a red camera system that we could use for other stuff down the road, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, if we wanted to do a bigger project. And it came down to, like, it was just too much junk you, you needed on the everyday, like, our nuts and bolts shoots. Like, I can rent the other stuff when we need it once exactly. in a while. For this, I need just a package that's really easy to move around, basically, yep. and that I can mm-hmm. do everything Light. myself. Unassuming for what we uh, have The ergonomics uh, are just simple and, like, quick. Yeah, because yeah. um, that's kind of what we need: efficiency and sim- yeah. simplicity. So FX3, and then what was the one thing that if your was it the the camera broke or the it was the lens, right? <laughs> what the top handle. The top handle. The, okay. I didn't realize it's in how two pieces. <laughs> how vital our top handle is. Uh, are you throwing a monitor on the top handle? Yeah. Okay, which one are you using? Uh, oh, I, I'm not that big of a gearhead. Uh, it's the uh, Atomos. Um, Adam was uh, Shinobi? Shinobi. Shinobi. Okay. Cool. There you Obi-Wan go. Obi-Wan Shinobi. Yeah. That's okay. how you remember. So I'll give you guys one. You can go home and do some research. This one has actually changed the game for me. I bought the Atomos Ninja V Plus Okay. Uh, a little while back, and 
that thing's amazing. Uh, if you're if you're working on slower computers, you can shoot to the Atomos Ninja V Plus into an SSD drive and record in ProRes. Are you guys mm. familiar with well, ProRes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so ProRes, much easier to edit on your computer. I was working with like a 2015 MacBook and Wow. Yeah, that not a chance I could do that without ProRes. Uh, and then Atomos Ninja V Plus, it's one of my top picks for the year. Ooh. That's a, that's a something, that some, very little homework. Little yeah. homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a piece of gear that I'm like, I really want. What is it? Which is, I want um, an H6. Mm. I want, that's with the four lav inputs, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, because right now the setup that we have, you know, uh, uh, we do sketch comedy and oftentimes you have more than one character, more than two 100%. actors. Um, and I, I want the ability to get everybody laughed because right now we just desperately switch when it's somebody else's coverage. Yeah, if we have more than two people, we just have to, have, we can't have all four people in the shot at the Laughed same up, time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I, we're actually recording this on the PodTrack P4. I brought this device here. Um, this thing, much like the H6. I, the H6 has all the abilities to adjust everybody's microphone to their level of voice. Mm -hmm. Gadgen, co-host of the Good Morning Camera podcast, he starts off fire. He's like up here, <laughs> and then halfway through the podcast, he t he, he chills out, <laughs> chills out a bit, gets a little bit more in depth, tunes mm -hmm. in, and lowers the voice a little bit. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's a good pick. And uh, Gadgen is actually using the H6 right now oh, for is our, our recording our podcast, and it, it works great. So cool. Yeah. Two two things. Yeah, PodTrack P4 might be something to worth worth investigating in. And yeah, H6 is also a very good choice for audio. The other thing I want is the, uh, what was the light we, uh, I now I can't remember the names of, uh, of all the gear, <laughs> but the, uh, the nice uh, LED lights. Um, aperture. The aperture lights, yeah. yeah. I want to get 120D. Like, yeah. 120D is a staple. I, 120D uh, is a staple. We used one, I borrowed one from my buddy the other day, mm -hmm. and I was liking it. So it yeah. just has so much more horsepower than the lights yeah. we have. They're so. making yeah. some big, big, like, powerful like lights yeah. in a very very small compact little setup here yeah. and again that's like perfect for YouTube like we need Absolutely. things where we can get Quick. in and out it's light it's Absolutely. easy to set up yeah I personally I have the Aperture 120D great light you can throw any kind of modifier on top of it but you should if you haven't uh, also researched the Aperture they make uh, it's the LS one half and uh, they make smaller LED panels. You won't be able to modify them uh, with like a softbox or anything, but they're great for like little hair lights uh, Ooh, and things like that. I, uh, love, I love the hair I light. I love me a hair light. <laughs> hair light on a green screen too. Yeah, you need it. It, yeah. it just makes it more real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get rid of that green spill. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Aperture 120D, Aperture LS one half. That's the one I'm using as a little kicker right now. Yeah. Today we actually have on display right behind me here this small little Aperture uh, MC. These are like killer little Aperture lights. They're like small little credit card mm -hmm. lights. Mm -hmm. Oh. So they're actually quite powerful and they're magnetic. So I throw them all over my house. On the fridge. Yep. <laughs> Front fridge. I, I, that's how I actually lit this uh, little like scene. I was like popping around a corner. Oh wow. My fridge is like right over here. Might as well. <laughs> and then kicker on the fridge. Yeah, fridge light. Fridge, fridge light. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, that's where we're going to wrap it up. We're just throwing these bonus episodes out uh, onto our podcast here. Good morning, camera. Check us out. And uh, if you like the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks. My name is Anthony. Thanks for having us. Julie, Samuel, we're out. <laughs>